Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Right for Your Life podcast. I'm joined today by Donna Sorensen, who is the uh, publicity officer and uh, all-round social media chief at O'Brien Press in Dublin. And she's also a poet and, um, and many other things too. Hello, Donna. Hello, Ian. Um, <laughs> it's an interesting welcome. I liked it. Um, oh, I was excited. Well, you got to, I mean, right for your life podcast. It's um, actually before I, I mean, I don't want to get off on. Well, I am going to get off on a tangent quite early. I made the mistake. I've got all these, all the stats for right for your life, all the people who are subscribed, how many people visit the site every day. But for some reason, when I set the podcast up, um, I didn't burn the feed with feed burner. So I've actually got no idea how many people are subscribed to the podcast and no real way of knowing how to start measuring that number, which is ridiculous and silly. So if anyone knows... Have been stopping you in the street and saying, hey, man, I've seen you? People can't believe it. They can't believe what's happened. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure we should use any of this. <laughs> oh, no, why? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I will. No, you can't, you see. You've ruined it. <laughs> I don't even know where I, why I started talking about that. Oh, it doesn't matter. We'll use it. It doesn't matter. We'll keep it in. So, oh my God. so today we are talking about, um, I guess, the submission process. That's what I want to talk about. Um, and when I say the submission process, that can be to a literary magazine, it can be to a full-on publisher, or it can be to a literary agent, or to a competition, any kind of submission process that you have to go through with your writing. It could be to, to a blog even, text guest posts, that kind of thing. Um, and I guess my, my subtitle for this, um, and it might end up being the actual title, depending on how the conversation goes, is do as you're told, because nothing is more infuriating um, for for anyone, I don't think, if you, if you, than if you stipulate very clearly how you want someone to contact you, um, you know, for good reasons, and they, um, and they completely ignore it. So that's kind of what I wanted to touch on, but the reason... The reason that I want to specifically talk to you about that, Donna, is because I know that you've been going through the submission process uh, yourself a, n a number of times over the recent uh, months, I guess. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, uh, oh, it's a funny old process, that's for sure. Um, I've just actually submitted to a magazine that only accepts submissions once a year. Um, and they do three issues every year, but they have a, a window of like two months where it's just a frenzy. I think everybody ends up uh, submitting on the last day as well. So they just get a massive sack in once a year and then they trawl through it. Um, and uh, that's their submission process. And it's all postal. So they are already kind of counting out a lot of people who can't be bothered to submit because it's postal. Um, but still, they just get heaps and heaps of submission. And it's quite stressful. Like, you know that that deadline's coming up. And if you miss that, then you're out of that, which is one of the best magazines I know in Ireland for an entire year. So uh, talk about jumping through hoops. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a funny old game. And they only do that once a year? Yes, once a year, between January and March. Um, and so it's closed now. Um, yeah, so it's just one of the many... Oddities. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I said that like it was unbelievable, but thinking about it, when uh, when I edited Matter for the uh, Matter magazine, was a literary magazine that I edited when I was doing my MA at Sheffield Hallam University, and of course that was that was an annual, it was an annual magazine. Therefore, we of course only had one submission deadline. So yes, I guess that does make sense. It does make sense for one, absolutely. But you know, 
with this kind of one submission a year for three different issues, I think what they do is they look at each issue. Um, so the next issue coming up, they'll put poems and, and short stories aside for that first. So if you don't get into that, then you still might get in, but you don't hear for months and months and months because then they kind of look at the people who might get in for the next issues that year. They kind of put them to one side. I guess that's how it works because I got into this magazine last year and I didn't hear for four months, um, but then I got in and it was a year until I was published in that magazine. And and has, has your experience of uh, submitting to literary magazines been consistent? Do you think that that's pretty much how it works? No, not at all. And I think, you know, it's quite an exciting time for literary magazines because, you know, the, the traditional printed um, quarterlies and journals and things like that, and it's very, very sad in some respects that it's more and more difficult to keep those kind of magazines afloat. But what it does mean is that there's all of these online magazines and the quality of a lot of the online magazines is fantastic. So the submission process can be entirely different for that kind of magazine. And I think there are actually probably a lot more opportunities out there. You just have to be sure that what you're submitting to is a really, really good quality. It's got a good reputation. The editor's good um, and things like that, you know. Okay, that's quite an interesting subject. So how how do you, uh, how do you know? So let's say that someone's listening to this and they've they've never submitted to a literary magazine before, or or, or anything, or a competition, or, or 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 I guess even even a publisher. How do they how do they know what's what's good? How how do, how do they do what you've just described? Well, um, first of all, you have to read them. I mean, the editors always say this all the time. Don't bother submitting to literary journals unless you've read their journal that you're submitting to because everybody's got a different style and things like that. Um, some of these journals have been going for years and years and years. So, you know, I think if, if a journal's been going around for like, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, there's a reason why it's been going that long. You know, it must be good. It must have a great reputation. It must have published big names along the way. So you can look at these kind of things, uh, look at who the editors are, as I've said. And then uh, since moving to Ireland, I... And I know kind of quite a lot more about Ireland, I'd say, than the UK at the moment. I mean, that may change in the future. But you get to know good writers and good poets and you see their names popping up in different journals. So there was a new journal that came, I think it was launched last year. You don't know whether it's good or not. It looks fantastic. But I looked down through the list and there's some really great names in there that had been published already in the first and second issues of that journal. So you already get a sense that this is going to be a really, really good journal and it's a new one. So I guess the answer to that question that I just gave to you there was pretty much just research. Yeah, research and read. Read the journals and know who is around, you know, in terms of short story writing and poetry. I think it's really, really important to kind of see. It's not so much competition. It's like the contemporary scene with which you're engaging. You need to know what's being published and who is being published. Yeah, and I think that that's... Um... I think that's pretty much the experience I had too when I was submitting uh, to agents with my novel, and um, um, I uh, and the other thing I did was ask uh, people who I thought might be able to give me advice. I mean, it sounds fairly obvious, but um, 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 it's the best way of of finding out what to do is to ask someone who knows. Um, so I did that, but but also, I mean, one of the things that people always get told to do is to check the artist uh, uh, and writer's handbook 2000 and whatever year it is is that right is that yeah. yeah 
which of course is uh, is true. It's a brilliant uh, resource, and I'll I'll put a link to it on on the blog post that goes with this podcast. It is fantastic, but if you if if you come at it like uh, as I've just described, when you really haven't got a clue, I mean, this book's the size of three bricks wedged together. It's huge. It's it, and it's yeah. it's absolutely full of, uh, of publishers and of of agents and all these all these different things. So again, you you still have to you still it's very difficult to um, to work it out. But but work it out is what you have to do. You do have to read around it and find out. And this is something I talked about actually on the blog in one of the on one of the video episodes that that I do. The idea of being aware of other writers that are writing in a, in a similar way to you or in the same genre or whatever. It's about knowing uh, knowing where your writing sits so that when you pitch to or you submit to uh, these places that you can you, you have that context and you've read around it beforehand. Absolutely. Um, and I think that, you know, people can see if you're submitting to a magazine, they can see whether you're serious or not about your writing not just from the way that you're going to word a submission or, you know, if you're able to put a bio in, if you're able to say you have, you know, had one thing or two, whatever um, things published other, in other places, you know, what you're sending them is a reflection of the fact that you have researched and you've looked at what they like to publish. Um, and it is important, you know. Um, I It was quite interesting because with poetry, you know, you need to be published in journals. You need to get a good track record of being published before you can think about a collection. Um, and I asked a, a poet I, I know who has three collections of poetry published um, how many poems he got published before he started sending to um, book publishers, poetry book publishers. And he said, oh, it's not about how many you've had published. It's about which ones you go into, which ones you get into. So... There's, there is definitely um, a hierarchy out there, you know. It's like we've well, got your kind of broadsheet newspapers and then you've got your tabloids and things like that. It's the same in the literary world with journals. You have key journals that you need to target if you want to kind of make this a successful successful career. Yeah, and I guess and the, the other thing is is what I, what, I get, what I touched on at the start of this podcast after the nonsense um, <laughs> was the, this idea of, of do as you're told. These are yeah. these are busy people. Now, if you imagine, I mean, most writers who are unpublished, in fact, almost all of them, have got another job as well, uh, like a real job, uh, just like I have. And you know, if someone, if someone, if you, if you may, if you in, in your in your job, um, email someone to do with whatever it is you're doing and ask for a certain things, and then they give you something completely different, then you think, well, what the heck is this person playing at? Even if even if what they've sent you is brilliant, you still think, well, that's kind of not what I asked for. And you have to remember that, and this is a very difficult thing for writers to do, but you have to remember that you're not the only person on the planet. And the, 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 yes. the, the person you're sending to, whether they edit a literary magazine, or whether they're a literary agent, or whether they're a publisher, They've got other people, and in fact, they've got a hell of a lot of other people submitting to them at the same time. So if they're go if they're going through a list of you know a big pile of these things, and they've asked, for example, for the cover and letter to be no more than two hundred words, something like that. I've just made that up, but it could easily be something like that. And they come to your cover and letter, and they see that it's a full page of A4, and it's about clearly way over the word limit. Not even going to read that first paragraph because why the heck would you? And it's not, and it's not because they think I can't be asked to read that. Excuse my foul language. It's not because they can't be bothered to read that. It's because they think, well, if this person isn't prepared to 
follow those simple guidelines that we put on our website or they you know wherever they found those guidelines then I probably don't want to work with them yeah. and for I think for a lot of writers that's quite difficult because they think well come on <laughs> that's a bit harsh yeah what, you know it's only I'm a covering letter <laughs> yeah but I, that, I know, absolutely yeah and I think I that sorry go, go on, on. <laughs> <laughs> who's gonna go I'm gonna go no well, yeah and not just that but the reality of the situation is that they are mentally busy probably you know I mean you just don't have time at all to look at things that are not set up ready for you to go through in terms of the submissions that you're getting in if you're an editor you know I mean with my other hat on at the O'Brien Press I mean I'm publicity and events and I can tell you I've had some quite hilarious emails coming to me you know saying oh I've written this amazing book you know can you actually just email me back and tell me what you think I should do in order to get it published and things like that you know I mean, you say um, this you say this now but I've apologized about that several times <laughs> no, I, it's true that I mean I think you know good on them for having the you know the audacity to do it I guess but you know I've got a hundred billion different things I'm doing to support the authors coming through that have you know already been published there is somebody in our organization that will receive that manuscript and will judge it unbiasedly but it's not me so you do you have to target the right people as well you know I think it, I think it's easy to get excited, especially if you've just finished a piece of work. It's very easy as a writer to get excited and think, "I'm going to send this off. I think it's the best thing in the world, and I'm going to tell someone it's the best thing in the world." And then and and just not stop to think. And I think and coming back to what I was just saying, I don't think people stop to think that the that the person that they're sending these things to, well, first of all, that there is an actual person, um, mm. but also that that person is doing a job of course you know if you're a literary agent or you're a or you know whatever whatever it is you're going to be passionate and you love writing and you love books but you don't love it you don't you, it's still a job at the end of the day you still have to go through certain processes in order to pick out the and choose people that you want to take on and 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 accept into you know whatever it is that you're doing of course, and, um, of course. and it's your name's yeah. going to be on it you know afterwards if you're an editor and you've chosen something, your reputation is on the line too. You know exactly. I, I guess. I guess my whole point is, there's no special treatment. You can't expect special treatment at any point. You just have to, and you just have to sort of follow the rules, no matter whether it's a very tiny uh, literary magazine just started up. Um, uh, it's exactly the same uh, process as it would be if if you were submitting to I don't know, the most popular and well-known literary agent in the world it's the same process you just have to you just have to um have to go with the flow unfortunately absolutely and sometimes it's it's really hard because i mean there are journals out there that not only do they not uh send you an email or anything to tell you they've received your stuff but that they will not tell you if you've not been published and that is so difficult i mean you know from going from i think this could be published to oh my god like, you know, they, they don't even have the time or they can't even be bothered to tell me that they're not going to publish it. It's it's a sad state of affairs in the world when basic decency and politeness <laughs> is thrown out the window. But I think it's, I mean, it's worth saying that that's happened to uh, both of us, I think, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, you, you're, you, you've 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 had uh, you know you're going great guns at the moment. You're getting stuff uh, stuff published. Your poems published in various journals, doing really well. I know that from having spoken to you before. But 
as uh, you're still getting rejections you're still not hearing about stuff and i've you know my literary agent wasn't the first agent the one that i've the one that i'm with isn't the first person that i submitted my work to and not only have i had uh, you know a handful of rejections before then you know there's a couple of that i just didn't never heard from and 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 uh, yeah and it, it happens i'm not saying that that's right because i don't necessarily think it is but it can happen and the best way to avoid it happening is to actually do what they ask for and um, and submit submit your work in the uh, you know the most appropriate way and when when you think it's as best as, as good as it possibly can be i guess and keep batting down the door and be really focused and organized with your submissions that's the key as well you know yeah so have a backup plan if you if your stuff doesn't get accepted there or if you haven't heard from somebody six months is normally i think the kind of cutoff then you know have have a next place in mind where you're going to send stuff to shift it round try out different publications for different things Absolutely. So just to finish this off, shall we just talk um, a little bit about uh, the different sort of the variety of ways that, that you can uh, be asked to submit to? Um, and, and this is I'm, I think it's worth saying that we're saying this. Um, I'm certainly going to be saying mine um, partly from experience, but also just from having heard other people say and just having a general gist of how it works. I'm not saying that I've been through all these processes. No. So, okay, I'll go first as well, since I've brought this up. Um, I'll give you a chance to think about it, as I didn't warn you. Um, so, uh, example uh, is a, a novel, and my uh, my novel was submitted to a handful of agents. And the majority of the time, um, this may have changed, because this was a couple of years ago, but the majority of the time, it's still asked for by post, and you might also be asked for a biography, um, so a bit of background about what you do, and a and a covering letter and you're usually asked for perhaps the first three chapters or you might be asked for um, 50 pages worth of content of the actual novel and, and that's quite typical I think very very rarely would you be asked for uh, on the first submission to be sent the entire thing um, uh, but you will be expected to have an entire thing most of the time uh, if it's a novel and then uh, non-fiction, I think, tends to work slightly different. I've not submitted any non-fiction, so I don't want anyone to take this as absolute gospel. But I think generally non-fiction uh, non is, is a lot about a proposal at times. You'd probably, probably yeah. be expected to have, have uh, obviously, a start of work on it at, at least. But a lot of the times it's about putting together a pitch and a proposal saying, I, you know, I've come up with this great idea for a piece of non-fiction and this is why I should... This is why uh, I think you should uh, get behind it and I've got this you know, experience in writing. So a slightly, slightly different way of, of working there. And that's obviously, and the point of this podcast is that it will vary from from publisher to publisher to agent to agent. And it's, the, it's your job to check out exactly how people do it. And actually, it's worth saying, um, I'm with uh, uh, Tibor Jones, and um, I actually submitted by email then. Um, that was what they asked for, and um, which, was, which was different, and that worked really well. Okay, over to you. Yeah. Okay, to me, well, um, so poetry, you, I mean, they might say they want it 1.5 spaced or double spaced and things like that, which you really have to look out for. Um, and there are also a lot of places where they stipulate um, a word, like a line length, so 40 lines maximum. Um, I know people that have been kind of tripped up by that before and they've sent off poems that are too long. You also have to be careful of that kind of thing. Um I'd say the majority are email submissions now for poetry journals, but there are a couple that are, that are posted submissions. And um, it's really important to have a little author biography done up ready. Just a few lines about yourself and a nice cheesy photo. 
um, to send off, um, because I think after a while that starts to make a difference. You know, if you're sending something along that says, hello, I've been published in all of these places. Here are my things to be considered. Um, you know, I mean, that's obviously showing that this is uh, your serious and it's your life's ambition and your career, mm. potentially. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Well, there's a, there's a few ways. I hope that's uh, reasonably helpful. But the, the important thing is to actually find out exactly what what whoever it is you're submitted to wants. I think. Indeed. Okay. I think I'm pretty much done on this subject. Anything to add, Donna? Uh, no. Okie koki. Let's move on to. Um, um, what do I call it? We call it um, my favourite thing, or maybe we call it our favourite thing, or maybe it doesn't no. matter. Two favourite things. Our two favourite things. But that sounds like it's two each. Well, I've got two. You've got two? For, well, that wasn't... I mean, fine. It's okay, let's call it one. Well, I've only got one. And a bit. <laughs> but, but mine is brilliant. Go on, then. Okay. Yeah, well, well, I will, yeah. It's my podcast. What's your favourite thing of the week, right? Um, my favourite thing of the week, and it actually could be my favourite thing of today because I only discovered it today, and I don't know why I didn't know about this before. Um, most people know about the TED lectures. Yes. Yeah, and um, and they're fantastic, and they got these incredible people giving these hugely inspiring talks on a range of subjects: science, politics, creativity. They're just fantastic. Um, but I didn't know about uh, do lectures, as in do, as in do something. Have oh. you have you ever heard of those? No. No, me neither. And it turns out. Uh, that they all they happen in Wales as well, which is of course if you live in the UK as we do, and Ireland as you do, uh, then yeah. then um, right on the, it's on our doorstep. It's quite expensive, but even so, much like the TED lectures, a lot of the material is is online in a similar sort of way. But the the idea of the do lectures, in fact, they have the little they have the uh, little strap line, which is ideas plus energy equals change, which is quite nice. And I'm going to read a bit to you. It says, the idea is a simple one. This is the about page. The idea is a simple one. The people who do things can inspire the rest of us to go and do things too. So each year we invite a set of people down here to come and tell us what they do. They can be small do's or big do's or just extraordinary do's. But when you listen to their stories, they light a fire in your belly to go and do your thing, your passion. The thing that sits in the back of your head each day, just waiting and just waiting and waiting for you to follow your heart. And I was flicking through the website today and I watched a couple of these lectures and they're fantastic. It's such a great sentiment. And they've got a book coming out soon as well called The Path of a Doer. And I've read a little extract from that and that looks great too. And I'm all for this. I'm, I'm, this is something that I'm mildly obsessed with at the moment, the idea of just doing stuff, not worrying about whether it's going to be a success or not or whether it's uh, going to be... Uh, you know, uh, whether it's going to ruin your life because most things don't. Um, very rarely do you do something or do you do you put some work out there, and um, and and something terrible happens. You might get the odd disappointment along the way, but very rarely does something really horrible happen. So yeah, the do lectures, check them out. It's www. It. And that could be the strapline. It might have been taken. It's already taken, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the website is www.dolectures.com. Um, and um, yeah, I'll put the link to the uh, to that site on in the show notes. Okay, over to you. Brilliant. Well, I haven't had to do this favorite thing of the week before, so nice. I wasn't sure whether it needed to be serious or very cerebral, like yours ended up being. So I thought I'd better just come with two quick ones. The first one was 
my favourite thing I actually physically saw this week, which is great material for writing. Okay, I'm, was... I'm slightly frightened. No, no, don't worry. <laughs> I was driving in Dublin and I was overtaken on the inside. I was undertaken by a speeding priest who was on a mobile phone. <laughs> he was on a mobile phone as well? On a mobile phone at the time. He was speeding and he was uh, overtaking me on the inside lane. Did you Did you honk your horn at him? No, I just watched him in wonder and thought, wow, that's brilliant and material for something in the future, I'm sure. Um, when you say he was speeding, he wasn't like doing 60 in a 30 zone. I, I wasn't looking at my speedometer. I was just looking at him um, in amazement. It was brilliant. Anyway, so okay. yes, that's, that's the first thing. And the quick second thing was, I don't know whether you saw uh, this week, it started on Twitter um, there was uh, a feed or a, a something trending, which is a horrible word, isn't hey, it? Hey, nice. You're with the oh. lingo. <laughs> oh, yeah. About how not to take criticism. I don't know whether you saw this this week. Oh, I did see this. And the reason I... Yeah. Okay, go on, carry on. I'll, I'll give you my two penneth in a second. So I, I, I refuse to use the name of the book or the blog or the website or anything because I think this person's got enough publicity already. But it was just absolutely fantastic to see that, you know, somebody who's self-published a book puts it out there for reviews and a reviewer did an honest kind of balanced review about it and the author just absolutely laid into the reviewer and it started this this spiraling out of control of comments on the blog it's really interesting in terms of blogs and comments and also how important it is to be able to steal yourself for criticism you know so yeah it was very interesting it was interesting and here comes my two penneth because i'm actually planning to write about this on on the on the uh, on right for your life uh, uh either probably next week i'll probably do it over the weekend because I, I was going to do one of my new link posts which are going down very well but i think i'm gonna actually write it into a full article and um and um a one of right for your life's uh, contributors who, is, who also writes for the guardian jean hannah edelstein she's uh, she wrote a piece in the guardian about this as well and something she picked up on was something that I thought about as well. Um, although I think my point is slightly different. But I read, I read that and I saw what happened. So ba basically it's someone who's, I think, self-published. Yeah. And they've sent their, sent their novel off to a, a site, quite a small site, although not anymore, um, who, yeah. who reviews these things, who reviews independent publishing. And, and they got two stars and then they came on and were furious about this review. And then hundreds and hundreds of comments came afterwards now i i this is the thing that and this does to, this does link back into what we've just been talking about about the submission process yes what she did was absolutely ludicrous and she's obviously a little bit of a crackpot um and got no sense of perspective and all those things what she did was really silly i guess but i thought and i'm be interested to know what you think i was reading the responses to her being uh, quite rude and uh, offensive to the person who reviewed her book. And I was looking at all these other writers. Most of them, uh, they seem to be, from what they were saying, um, also unpublished, as in unpublished by a major, uh, you know, a, a mainstream uh, publisher. And I was reading them thinking, because a lot of the sentiments in these comments, apart from saying, oh, look at this, what, what an idiot, which was the general, which is the general mood of the, uh, of the blog trail, yeah. of the comment trail. But also it was, Oh, you're never going to get a publishing deal now. Oh, what an idiot. You are never, you are never going to get a publishing deal or a literary agent because look what you've done. You've ruined your, what? You are the biggest idiot. What an idiot. That was the general tone of the comment trail. And after about three people saying that, every time I saw someone take that attitude, I thought, 
if I was a literary agent, and I know for because this is, like I say, this is all over the place, in The Guardian, all, all kinds of places. This is a relatively well-visited web page. If I was a literary agent or a publisher and I went on and saw all those other people slagging off another writer and basically taking the high road and pretending like they've never got upset about a piece of criticism and that they knew, you know, that they they had this kind of holier-than-thou attitude towards another writer, I would also think to, about them. I would also sort of think, well, you know, I'm not sure I want to take you on either. I don't sure, I'm not sure I want to represent you. And I thought it was really interesting. Yes, she did something pretty stupid, but goodness me, what are all these writers doing ganging up on another writer awful business that was my that that was that was my opinion now i might be being a little bit sort of i don't know idealistic perhaps but you know blog comments um uh, websites and the things you say online stick and you know you don't yeah she said something stupid but what's it got to do with what's it got to do with you you don't go onto another website and say you know you are what an idiot can't believe you said that you're never going to make anything of yourself because people that say that kind of thing to me are fairly unpleasant themselves yeah well i think this whole point about commenting on blogs is very interesting that's a whole nother blooming podcast isn't it because you know it's a form of critique and review and reference in itself you know it's it's all part of the the bigger picture so yeah you do have to be careful about these kind of things yes well i think i may have just i think i may have just had a rant there but you know never mind <laughs> I, just, I sort of trampled over your favorite thing said the priest he was going quick he was brilliant oh it wasn't father jack off father ted though but i have seen him in real life but that's another story that is another story and for another time because it's time to end this podcast i think it's been quite a long one but thank you very much for joining us i hope that everyone found that uh useful and um and you know i'm sure you'll be back soon of course well before we go you're going to be doing the interviews aren't you on right for your life you're going to be yeah uh interviewed gene o'brien for us um this week and you're going to be doing more Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it very much so. Thanks for having me on, Ian. No worries. I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, speak to you there. Bye.